0: Hey, Rarecast listeners. Join us for Global Genes Live, a rare patient advocacy unsummit, September 14th to the 25th. This two week virtual event will feature a variety of interactive and educational events, meetups, workshops, and performances. Whether you're a rare disease veteran or new to the community, we invite you to connect and engage with us and others through interactive activities. To learn more, visit GlobalGenes.org forward slash live. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. disease is a rare and often fatal genetic metabolic disorder with no approved treatments, but that could soon change as new therapies advance through the development and approval process. In anticipation of the first therapies for the disorder becoming available, the National Neiman-Pick Disease Foundation has been working to prepare patients and their families for new obstacles they may need to navigate to obtain access and reimbursement for these treatments. We spoke to Jocelyn Crow, Executive Director of the National Neiman-Pick Disease Foundation, about what her organization is doing to prepare the community for the availability of the first therapies for these conditions, the issues people will need to consider, and how families may need to think differently about their futures. Jocelyn, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about Neiman-Pick
0: disease, the potential for new therapies that are moving their way through the pipeline and one under review at the FDA, and the role patient organizations play in helping prepare a patient population when therapies become available where there have been none before. Let's talk about Neiman-Pick disease, though. What is it?
1: So Neiman-Pick disease is a rare inherited lysosomal storage disorder that affects both children and adults. It is neurodegenerative and caused by a buildup of toxic material in the body cells. Uh, There are three forms of Neiman-Pick disease. Neiman-Pick's type A and B, which are now called ASMD, which are caused by an enzyme deficiency, and Neiman-Pick type C, is not caused by the same enzyme deficiency, but is caused by the body's inability to break down cholesterol. But the end result's the same. It's an accumulation of materials in the body's cells.
0: And how does it manifest itself and progress?
1: Some of the initial symptoms that patients show with are enlarged spleen or enlarged liver. Those are common symptoms. Um, In young children, they're they, you may see inadequate growth, uh, missing or delayed developmental milestones, uh, clumsiness, or ataxia, which is a loss of full control of bodily movements. Um, you may see something called vertical gaze palsy, which is the inability to move the eyes up and down, or jaundice in young children. The challenge is that neiman disease is a very complex disease with a wide variety Um, of a wide spectrum of phenotypes and severities. And there's a wide variety in the age of onset. So onset may occur anywhere from early infancy, possibly even in utero, through later childhood and early adulthood. And now we're seeing more and more cases being diagnosed into later adulthood.
0: What's the prognosis for a patient diagnosed with this condition today?
1: Well, human pick disease is a, is a devastating disease um, for all families. You know, no matter what age, their symptoms onset. The prognosis today is that it's still a disease with no approved treatment and no cure. So imagine, you know, struggling to find the diagnosis. It can take some families several years to get to the right doctor or the right genetic counselor to then learn finally what they have. But then once you receive this diagnosis, learning that your loved one has a rare and fatal disease with no cure, then, you know, in many cases, being told to go home and enjoy the time that you have with your loved one. So that was the reality for many of our families a ultra-rare disease, less than 2,000 cases around the world, with no treatment available.
0: The disease has garnered a fair bit of attention. There's a pipeline of therapies advancing. As I mentioned at the top, we've got one under review at the Food and Drug Administration. What's the potential here to change the natural history of this disease?
1: We're very hopeful. Um, It's only... Now, really, through many years of research and families' dedication to clinical trials, that we're at a point where there is this palpable hope on the horizon. You know, you can really see a time that's coming when a diagnosis um, will come with the knowledge that there is now a treatment available that can extend life and lessen the symptoms. Um, And in time, we hope that as more treatments make it through the pipeline or more trials make it through the pipeline that one day there will, in fact, be a cure.
0: What do you see the role of the National Neiman-Pick Disease Foundation playing in educating people about these new medicines and navigating access issues they may face?
1: Well, NMPDF plays an important role in this. As a national patient organization, we dedicate a lot of time to providing families with not only the most up-to-date information on trials and and where you know where um, we stand in terms of pipeline but also in helping the community to manage expectations and to understand timing and also some of the realities. Um, realities previously included discussions on you know what does the regulatory process look like and not everything makes it. Through the regulatory process. Unfortunately, reality is that in drug development, not everything gets approved. And how does that impact a community? But also, once a drug is approved, what happens next? Um, You know, the hope from families is, you know, of course, is X drug's been approved. I would like it tomorrow. But that's not the process and the path of what happens. So we have used our educational channels, including our newsletter and our social media channels, and most recently, our annual family support and medical conference to bring in expertise and knowledge leaders to talk about these issues and to talk about, for us now, that piece of what comes next in um, following approvals.
0: This is something I imagine is new to your organization as there haven't been drugs previously available. How have you gone about putting together programs and services to address patients? Have you worked with other patient organizations that have been through this? Have you worked with drug companies or insurers?
1: So I think it's a combination of all of them. Um, you know, first NMPDF has, you know, has grown organically since its founding in the 1990s. And what started as a collection of families who were raising money to support research, um, really for their loved ones grew and changed over the years and went through a community needs assessment, um, in approximately 2016, where, where the community determined that what was really needed and what was missing was family services and family supports. So as the organization was looking to repurpose and revision they realized that they really needed professional leadership, which is where I came in. I, had, I came to the organization in 2018 uh, with over 10 years experience in pharma, having worked with many um, big pharma on various therapeutic issues and access issues. So at this point, yes, you're correct. In terms of how we, how we work with the community and prepare the community, We work very closely with all of our pharmaceutical partners um, who have active clinical trials, as well as those still in preclinical stages. We do, of course, reach out for best practices with other rare disease organizations. We are in constant communication, well, not constant, but we are in regular communication with the FDA, and we are very fortunate to have Dr. Kathleen Donahue, Of the of the FDA as our keynote speaker at our recent conference, talking about um, COVID nineteen and what its impact on the regulatory process. But we're also doing work to to pave the environment and to help us understand some of the needs of the community. So one of the pieces that we've taken on is a health insurance survey. It will be the it is the Largest and most comprehensive survey of the U.S. Neiman Pick community, so that we can one establish you know baseline understanding of what are the utilization rates amongst the Neiman Pick community, what does our community look like, and provide ourselves a credible quantitative platform of data, so that we are then positioned well as our as the national patient advocacy organization to speak with key opinion leaders and legislators and regulatory agencies, um, payers, insurers about the landscape of our community. Because our goal is to ensure that once treatments are approved, that there is access to these treatments throughout the United States, and that there is payment for these treatments throughout the United States.
0: What's the range of issues that you're having to think about? I mean, this is a a rather three-dimensional problem, everything from preparing the community for what may or may not happen at the regulatory side all the way through issues like reimbursement and and navigating insurance.
1: It it, it absolutely is. It's, it's, it's It's very complex. And I think for... You know, to see this in a rare disease is even more challenging because we have small patient populations, and the cost of medicine is expensive. But
0: the any discussions really- with insurers about how they might treat any drug that's approved—Are uh, you finding that part of what you're doing is helping establish a, a case for the value of any drugs?
1: Yes, so we see strong value in sharing family stories and helping opinion leaders understand the impact and the severity of this devastating disease on the family. From a physical standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a socioeconomic standpoint, Um, Really from looking after this from a 360 perspective, the severity of this disease is, it's really, it's it's devastating. We have many families who do, you know, to their loved ones being compromised, um, one parent needs to stop working and become a full-time caretaker. So you combine that to all the other stressors going on. you know there's a real case for why treatments are needed once they've been approved
0: at the same time have there been any discussions with drug companies about programs they may put into place to ease yeah.
1: up we we are we, we you know we we're in, we're fortunate to have very good relationships actually with many of the drug companies in our space and we know that they too are thinking about how to ensure that patients do get Medications and treatments, and that they are thinking now what this will look like. And we are working, you know, in tandem as best possible to make sure that the family perspective is conveyed um, on a deep enough level so that they're able to formulate programs in the future that will meet the potential needs.
0: I think about some of the other lysosomal storage disorders where we saw some of the first therapies come through, particularly with enzyme replacement therapies, and the profound effect it had on changing the natural history of a of a condition where children who were never going to be able to see their teens now live relatively normal, healthy lives into adulthood and, and, can, can go to school, go to work, have families. Do you think at all about the implications of what therapies might have in Neiman Pick and having to work with the patient communities to think differently about their futures?
1: I do. I, I think that we've seen, even just in clinical trials, that early intervention anecdotally makes a difference. And that you're right, the natural history can be drastically changed once we have treatment options and families are able to make decisions with their healthcare provider from a very early phase. Um, You know, and looking in the future, hopefully we'll have newborn screening available for Neiman-Pick disease, for NPC as well as for ASMD, which would also give families much earlier chance to tackle some of the issues ahead and to learn as much as they can about the disease before they may even see any symptoms.
0: What are the types of things patients will start to need to think about if there is an available therapy that can change the course of a disease?
1: So I think that they'll need to think about, you know, again, in conjunction with their healthcare provider, but when to initiate treatment is an important discussion. Um, Do we do it right from the first set of symptoms? do you wait? These are not decisions that I can make. I'm not their physician. However, that would be a very important discussion to have. And to be frank, a really um, fortunate discussion to be in a position to have given how long the community has not had those type of choices.
0: Jocelyn Crow, Executive Director of the National Neiman-Pick Disease Foundation. Jocelyn, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at Group.com.